Welcome back to the Carnivore Yogi Podcast. This is episode 19, and today I spoke with James Breakwell, who has over a million followers over on Twitter. He's a multi-time author, and he's been on an animal-based diet for about three years now that has helped him with a ton of stuff. And you guys, I usually tell you have a pen and paper ready, take notes. This is going to be an amazing scientist or doctor expert, and I'll get back to those types of episodes, but just wanted a little break (laughs) in things to bring on someone and have a fun conversation. So I just want you guys to sit back and relax and enjoy this conversation. It was really fun. And let me know what you think. Please go ahead on over to Instagram, take a screenshot of this, tag me, let me know what you think. And uh, I, if you like just more conversational podcasts, I'm happy to do them. If you want to keep hearing from experts and doctors and scientists, don't worry, those are coming. But I'd love to hear feedback from you guys if you do enjoy episodes like this that are more conversational. Um, All my podcasts are conversational, but just for more regular people. And I will definitely take all of your feedback to heart. Uh, There is no sponsor for today's podcast. I'm actually going to encourage you guys to head on over and pre-order James's book. And I will link that book in the description below in the show notes for you guys. It does help support him. So that I guess you could say that's the sponsor of the day. Today's episode is James's book. So make sure you check that out. I will be doing a bonus episode this Friday. I did a great Instagram live with Steve from Healthy Gut. He's been on the podcast twice already. And I know I'm like already at 19 episodes and I've had him on twice. But I'm doing a little bonus episode. I wasn't planning on putting this onto a podcast, but I had so many requests from people on Instagram if I would please put it out on podcast format. So that will be coming out on Friday for you guys as a bonus episode. So I hope you really do enjoy that. I also did want to announce that I have a June coaching group that is open through Sunday, actually through Sunday or Monday, the 31st of May. So if you're listening to this live, you still have time to check that out before Monday, May 31st. I'll put the link in the information section below for you guys. But if you just need support, right, if you need help with managing your animal-based diet or knowing if an animal-based diet is right for you, are you struggling with stress? Are you fasting too much and maybe need some fine-tuning there? This is going to be a great group where I do live Q&As every single week. Lots of time for you to ask, ask questions, and I hope that you'll consider joining. So the link will be in the information section below this podcast. Thanks again for listening. I hope you enjoy this one, and please do leave me some feedback about what you think. I'll talk with you guys again really soon. All right, guys, thank you so much for coming back and tuning in. This is a very special guest I've got here with me today, James Breakwell. I hope I said that correctly. (laughs) He's a dad of four girls and a multi-time author, and he's doing carnivore. And uh, I want to talk with him about his most recent book that he's got out, but I also wanted for him to talk about his experience with the carnivore diet because I think it's been pretty amazing and uh, interesting for you guys to hear about. So thank you, James, for being here today. Uh, Thank you so much for having me on here. This is the first carnivore podcast I've ever been on. So I'm I'm hoping I don't mess it up for you. (laughs) I'm sure you'll be totally fine. (laughs) Yeah. So tell me a little bit about your journey into carnivore and and just the evolution, how, how you got here. So growing up, I lived basically on garbage, not that my parents were bad or anything. I just had a super high metabolism, was always real low weight, ran cross country and track. And um, I ran up through college. And then one day in college, just abruptly, my metabolism shut off. And, I, and then all of a sudden, I couldn't live on like 10,000 calories of refined carbohydrates a day. It was shockingly, I started to gain weight and I just could never figure it out after that. And uh, I would periodically lose the weight by just severely restricting uh, carbohydrates and I would lose all the muscle along with it. There's even, there's a story in my my latest book about that as well, where I just, muscle just, just fell off like crazy, what little I had. And I kind of timed it out. It was just, there was an ebb and flow to when I gained it. I tried to time it for whenever my wife was pregnant, which happened a lot. So every time (laughs) I'm I'm just a terrible person. So every time, and there was some logic to it too. So all of a sudden, you know, she always had horrible 
morning sickness. So she uh. like couldn't tolerate the smell of any food and she wasn't much fun to hang out with because she just slept all the time. It's like, okay, I suddenly don't have anything else to do and it's not good to have a lot of food around. So I'm going to diet exercise right now. So every time we had a kid, like right beforehand, I got in really good shape and I looked really good for those baby pictures, like the first day they were born. And afterwards I just gained it all back every single time. And it just oh, wow. didn't, it didn't make any sense to me. Like, why can't this weight stay off? And so finally, um, I read, uh, the good calories, bad calories a few years ago. And that book kind of changed my life. I was like, Oh, and I so did not want to believe this message. Like I lived and died by pasta. I would, I, I would have given my life for pasta. I was like, why would I want to give up this stuff? It's amazing. And then you look through that, that book is just exhaustive. And it goes through example after example, after example of not just for like weight gain, but like just in general health problems, how they're so associated uh, with all these refined carbohydrates and refined sugar. And I was like, okay, I'm going to take the plunge. So that's when by myself, I went uh, keto, which I could do because I cook for my family. So I just cooked two meals every day. I cooked keto for myself. And then I did uh, regular garbage food for the rest of my family. Cause apparently I don't care about them. And so then, uh, <laughs> and I did that and I, I, I kept off the weight for the first time in my life and I felt great. But as I was going, I was mostly eating, I would eat like two chip, two pounds of chicken with olive oil or some variation of it. And then like a pound of vegetables. And I finally got to the point. I was like, as I, I kind of read more and learned more, it was like, well, beef is way better than chicken. You know, it's got fat and protein. So why am I doing this? And why am I wasting time with broccoli? Why am I wasting time with asparagus? I mean, it's okay, but it just kind of takes up space in your stomach. Why don't I just eat more meat? And so that's when I, I really started researching carnivore and seeing, is this something I can do long-term? Is this something people are succeeding at? And uh, it really seemed like it was. So I made the switch, I think a year and a half ago or so oh, wow. to just, I just pretty much just eat ground beef now. Now I did the, the thing where you get half a cow and so I'd get mm -hmm. steaks and stuff, but I eat so much steak takes a long time to eat. So I'm, I'm really just, <laughs> just a big fan of just ground beef once a day, just a big pile of it. And it fills me up. And I, I really like that one, uh, one time a day format. And now here, my, my latest iteration is I finally started feeling guilty. It was like, okay, so I've taken my health so seriously. I've, I've lost the weight. I've gotten shape. I've done all this. And then I turn around and my kids are eating, you know, pop tarts and, and mm -hmm. cereal for breakfast. And it's just pure sugar. It's oh, like, yeah. I tell, I tell them they can't have candy for breakfast and you look at cereal and it's, it's just candy. And so, I mean, I'm not making the carnivore or anything, but now I'm trying to be more deliberate with my choices. So every morning for them now, I'm trying to say, Hey, we're not going to do pop tarts, but I'm going to cook you bacon and scrambled eggs. And at night mm -hmm. we're trying to do more gr ground beef and we're getting rid of the pasta. We're, we're kind of slowly taking steps in that direction. And there are hits and misses. Uh, they tend to like things that are like burgers. They hate anything with cauliflower. They will starve to death before they'll touch it. So that's, <laughs> that's a work in progress, but that's, that's my journey with carnivore so far. Yeah. And I, you know, so many people ask me, but you have four kids. I have mm -hmm. one and I have a husband and one kid and I'm the wife. So I can yeah. kind of, you know, the mom, I can kind mm -hmm. of control things a little bit more. Um, and so many people are like, how do you, how the heck do you eat carnivore? Or do you eat like low carb or no carb mm -hmm. when you have a family? Yeah. Um, I could never stick with that. Like that would just be impossible. So how did you overcome that when you first, I mean, I guess when you first started just keto? So even like, as I jumped into keto, I still kept giving my kids candy. Even recently we missed Halloween because of the whole lockdown and everything. And I went out and bought them like literally 25 pounds of candy. And I look back to this a few months ago. I was like, what was I thinking? But back then I was really only trying to save myself, but you know, I just wasn't tempted. And that's the weird thing when, you know, I, okay. So I, I guess the biggest thing is I'm an all or nothing person. And I finally figured that out about myself. I couldn't do just a little bit of pasta. I couldn't do just a little bit of carbohydrates. It's just like mm -hmm. any other addiction. Once I start, there was no obvious stopping point for me. I don't think I feel full fast enough. And I see these like 10,000 calorie challenges on YouTube and people act like it's a strain. It's like, I could do that. I feel I could, like I could do that. Yeah. I so feel like I could do that easily. <laughs> yes. I can just, I can just yeah. devastate all you can eat buffets. So for me, the yeah. secret wasn't like, well, maybe I just need a treat. I'll just have one piece of candy. It's like, if I do no candy, I have a super easy time. If I do some candy, I have a horrible time because I can't stop. So yeah. I just went and I just did none of it because I knew how I felt and I knew how I looked. So yeah, we've had candy in this house the whole time. Now we're slowly trying to whittle it down. Now we're getting rid of the last stockpile of our bad stuff. Uh, but yeah, it's 
it, it is, I think the biggest thing is I knew I was going to be full. I just hated all those years, not feeling full. Yes. And I knew that if I ate meat, I would feel full. And if I ate anything else, I wouldn't. And so it wasn't a matter of what I was giving up. It was a matter of what I was getting. And it just seemed like meat was a better trade. Yeah. I feel like so many people struggle with their weight. And I, I mean, I'm someone who struggled with my weight. I've been on diets since I was, mm. before I was 10 years old, I had to go on diets. My parents put me on diets oh, wow. and that's a whole separate other podcast, but <laughs> I don't really think people should send their kids to Weight Watchers. But, no. um, you know, I just grew up with this lifelong struggle and every time I dieted, you know, I could lose weight, but I just felt miserable. It was mm -hmm. like, you know, you're going to feel crappy, you know, you're going to be hungry or hangry, um, and have issues with blood sugar. And so I feel like this is the thing that people just don't know. They can actually lose weight and not be starving all the time. And I think there's this big debate right now. Like one, one of my favorite YouTubers is Greg Doucette. And oh, he, me uh, too. <laughs> yeah, I love him. And he's big on calories in, calories out. Oh my out, God, which there's crazy. Yes, and, and there, there's some truth to that. But the, the flaw in that logic is not all calories are equal. When yeah. I was eating the standard American diet, if I wanted to lose weight, I had to be way below 2000. We're like 1500 mm -hmm. calories, 1300 calories. That's to me starvation. Right yeah. now, I can lose weight if I eat three pounds of ground beef a day, just three pounds pounds of ground beef. If I hold out on the uh, homemade Mayo, I can lose weight on that. So that's 2,700 calories versus 15, uh, 1500 calories. Uh, so, yeah. So again, I guess you do have to be in a deficit, but your body just doesn't treat those different, those different sources of fuel the same way. It's, it, it's processes them totally different. And why wouldn't you want to go with the option that just lets you eat more? And I think his whole philosophy is the one that makes you feel fuller, but I, right. I feel fuller. If I actually get more of that in my body, yeah. uh, I definitely opt for more meat. Yeah. I love Greg. I mean, his videos are entertaining to me. Like I, I don't really agree with a lot of what he says, but it's just so <laughs> darn entertaining to listen to him, like on his couch screaming about yes. whatever. Um, it's, it just is like stress relief for me, but you know, he's a big advocate of like the high fiber, like mm -hmm. fill your belly up and just get like all this fiber, you know, for me, I had tried to do that and my stomach was like, Oh hell no. I mean, Number one, I still felt hungry, even mm -hmm. though I was full, like volume wise, I was full. I yes. still felt hungry. And then mm -hmm. number two, it was like, I'm going to the bathroom, like friggin' 10 times a day <laughs> and it's uncomfortable and it's miserable. So in theory, it sounds good to do the low calorie, high dense mm -hmm. foods, but like in practicality, I think a lot of people that's just not going to work. Yeah. And I had a very similar experience to you with fiber. And so again, so at one point my metabolism shut off. And then a few years later, uh, I started having digestive problems and I went to the doctor and they're like, well, you need more fiber and you need mineral mm -hmm. oil and you need all this stuff. And I was taking dose in order for to, to make things work right. I was taking like, you know, the Metamucil or the Metamucil knockoff. I was taking like three or four times the recommended doses. I was just taking so much and I had mm -hmm. to constantly take it. Like if I went on a trip to my parents' house for a day, like I had to have it with me or it was going to mess me up for half the week. And I thought, man, I could never live without this fiber. And even when I was on keto, again, I was eating vegetables. I was eating that. I still had to take the fiber. And mm -hmm. then suddenly when I went the complete opposite direction, when I cut out a hundred percent of fiber, it solved all of my problems overnight. It just, it was night and day. Uh, and people ask like, well, how do you go to the bathroom? It's like, it, you just, no, do. you just do. <laughs> yeah. it just solves everything. Yeah, I agree. It's like, this is my gut does better. Like I go to the bathroom regularly and mm -hmm. I, I just feel so happy. That yeah. I don't have to constantly run to the bathroom all the time or worry about it. I mean, my daughter is kind of the same. We don't have her carnivore, but we have her like pretty meat heavy diet. And I would have to give her the mineral oils and the, mm -hmm. um, what is that awful drink? The Miralax that you oh, drink. Yeah, yeah. I have to give that to her every day just to get her to go. And now it's like, as long as she has enough fat in her diet and we stick to more meat based and don't do a lot of sugary stuff, like she's, mm -hmm. she's great. And it's so much easier. And that's, I think, uh, a lot of people overlook the, the overall health part. They see carnivore and they think weight loss. I mean, by the time I switched mm -hmm. to carnivore, I'd pretty much lost all the weight I wanted to lose. I was just trying to build muscle by that point, but there are, there are really a lot of health benefits that you get just by switching over to that. And when, you know, I'm trying to feed my kids more meat and less of the, the sugar and all of that, like I, I should stress, you know, I I'm definitely not trying to make them lose weight. They're growing kids. Right. I, I let them eat as much food as they want. I just want it to be healthy food and I want it to be at mealtimes. The, the one thing 
that drives me crazy is snacking. And this is, this mm-hmm. is universal to all parents. It's like they, they refuse to eat what you cooked. And 10 minutes later, they're asking for a snack. And that yep. snack is something that's just made of pure sugar. So we're, we're moving towards that. We're I, my, my war is on desserts. We're slowly swapping out the things that eat. I got a snow cone maker, a blender that blends oh, up nice. ice really well with some sugar-free syrup. And I know people go back and forth on the artificial sweeteners and stuff, but for me, it's the lesser of two evils, which is, yep. which is worse, you know, real sugar or some sort of artificial sweetener that's not going to uh, spike their blood sugar level. So we're trying to get them off the candy and onto the other stuff. Yeah, it's, it's, a t- it's tough. I mean, my daughter before, during the pandemic, she was, we'd had her gluten-free and dairy-free. I mean, that mm-hmm. was like, we're sticking to that, but she would eat these like gluten-free pretzels all the time, or do we get like the dairy-free, you know, you get mm-hmm. junk. It's like yeah. junk food. And so it was probably better than the regular stuff, but since the pandemic, we switch, we just got rid of all that stuff, just no longer in the house. And I give her like celery sticks. Um, I give her like really nice crunchy things to kind yeah. of get that, get that out of her system. But I'll do like a, a quip, uh, protein shake. Like, and I, I call it ice cream, you know, I'll use like coconut milk and a scoop of like, it's grass fed, um, isolate, uh, protein and just like put in the blender with some ice. And I'm oh. like, here's your, yeah, it's amazing. It's actually really, really good. I don't have an affiliate link or anything like that. Um, for once I'm talking <laughs> about something. opportunity, there's no low, oh, dang it. There's no link there. Um, but that's what I do for her is like, let's have ice cream, just like coconut milk and the, the chocolate protein powder and a little ice. And she's, I mean, just as happy as if we got the sugary stuff from the store. So kids are, you know, that you kind of have to change them. I feel like when they're younger or they mm-hmm. get these, <laughs> these kind of hellacious habits, you know? And that's kind of what I, that was my epiphany just within the last couple of months is like, what's the actual valuable thing I could, I could teach them. It's like, why don't I teach them how to eat? So when they go off on their own, uh, they can handle this, especially because my oldest daughter, my 10 year old, she is really enjoying cooking now. And she started, she takes a lot of pride in what she's preparing for everybody. But then what I was teaching her to prepare was stuff. It's like, this is, this is not setting up anybody for success. This is not what you should be eating for the rest of your life. So let's, let's take a look, let's experiment with these recipes and see if we can't come up with something else. Now, uh, props to you for finding an ice cream recipe your kids will eat. So I've got that super powerful blender. I've got an ice cream yep. maker and I, Vitamix. <laughs> I cannot get an ice cream mix that they will eat. They just, uh, they reject it every time. I'm good with snow cones. I'm good with jello, but, uh, ice cream, I keep fall, falling short. So I might have to hit you up for some tips on that one. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's the coconut milk. It's nice and creamy and thick and, okay. uh, just put enough ice in there. Sometimes you can drop some berries in there too for a little more sweet, but mm. yeah, it's, yeah, it works really well. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So tell me a little bit more about, you know, your transition into carnivore. What other health issues do you think that it helped you overcome besides maybe the indigestion? Was there anything else that was like a big shift for you? Uh, I think it, so I, I, I go to the gym quite a bit and I think it mm-hmm. definitely helped me strength wise, just building with that. They always say you can't, you know, you can't build muscle in a deficit or I just, or yeah. the, I guess, or the, or the other thing, if people, and I, again, I fell for this at various times too. It's like, if you want to gain muscle, you've got to just add all this fat and then try mm-hmm. to shed it off. And that's, that's another thing I like Greg Doucette for the whole main gaining thing of just stay, you yep. know, eat a little bit more and do that. And that in carnivore makes that so easy. You don't need to, uh, you don't need to like eat a crazy amount of garbage food and get really fat and then try to struggle to lose it. Um, I, I just eat this meat every day and I eat it once a day and I eat it at night. So I work out at five in the morning and I don't, I don't eat meat until five or six at night. And in between, I just have nothing but water. Typically. Um, I have a seltzer maker, by the way, that's, that's the greatest Ah, thing ever. I I always thought I, I thought I liked salt, uh, soda. And it turns out I just like bubbles. So if I just carbonate regular (laughs) plain water, I'm happy as can be. Uh, but I, I've never, uh, it's not like I get to the gym and I'm like depleted or I, I don't have enough energy. I don't have enough electrolytes. Like everything is fine. I just make sure I salt my, my meat really well at night. Uh, and it powers me through. And I think that's one of the biggest things people are afraid of when they get to uh, carnivore. They're like, well, I, I need to carb up. I need that mm-hmm. to get through this workout. Or like, if you're an endurance athlete, again, I, you know, I ran up through college, we had 10 mile a day workouts Wow. and uh, now I don't do that anymore, but I just, <laughs> when, when I go and run out for much shorter distances, I feel just like I did back then. Like you definitely get the energy you need just for meat. There's no need to throw in the extra carbohydrates to get that boost. And I think in fact, that boost hurts you. I think it just leads yeah. to a crash and you actually have less energy. Yeah. It's, it's really trendy right now to talk about metabolic flexibility Mm -hmm. and that you should be able to eat some carbs. And, 
Um, I just had a doctor on my podcast, I think last week where we talked about this, because there's a lot of people that are attacking um, carnivore and keto and these different Mm -hmm. diets and saying, well, if you take a glucose tolerance test, then you're going to fail it. Um, If you're, and I'm like, yeah, of course you will. But I think you can adapt back over to glucose a hell of a lot quicker and Mm -hmm. get used to it than you can to go the other direction and become fat adapted the way that you are now. Um, Mm -hmm. So I don't don't really know that that's a great argument that people have now. Yeah. And I just, uh, there's this all or nothing mentality, I think, and it, you don't really need it. So again, so I went all the way in, I do just beef, but I didn't like just jump in. I didn't switch from eating pasta every night to eating just ground beef. I, there were stages in between where I tested it out and saw what works for me, but like, you don't even have to do that for yourself one night a week, instead of eating, you know, whatever you're going to your pasta or your vegetables, try it, just eat some steak and, 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 you know, eat with a side of shrimp or whatever, see how you feel it even, I think in a, I guess my biggest bone to pick with keto is that in general is that they're like, if you're not below 15 carbs or whatever, don't bother. Mm-hmm. If you're not in ketosis, it's a waste. And it's like, no, that's, that's not true at all. I don't think the yeah. biggest benefit of keto is actual ketosis. I think the biggest benefit is that you're not spiking your blood sugar yes. levels and that you've pushed out these foods you shouldn't be eating anyway. And if you don't, okay, so you're not under 15, maybe you're under 50 carbs, maybe you're under hundred. If you were eating fewer carbs than you were before, and if you're eating more fat and protein than you were before, before you are going to see health benefits, regardless mm-hmm. of if you go all the way. And I wish that's the thing people would understand. Yeah. I feel like that's people just swing with these different diet trends. Like first it was mm-hmm. paleo, then it went to keto and now it's carnivore. And I feel like people identify too much with these labels and it has to be a specific way. I think a lot of people can get really great health benefits and I'm, you know, make it like cursed off the internet for saying this, <laughs> but like <laughs> just being paleo, you know, I, just being paleo, I think it can be good enough for some people. If you have, um, if you want to level up a little bit, mm-hmm. I think keto is great. If you want to level up even more carnivore, you know, but there's no, I think as long as we're staying away from the processed foods, mm-hmm. from the junk foods, from it's all about the blood sugar regulation, like you were saying, and some people can have really well-regulated blood sugar on paleo, you know? There's, there's so much truth to that. And that's, and I think part of it is that basically everything is better than the standard American diet. Yeah. Like any, yes. any step you take off of yeah. that is even, even you could argue, like, I would never advocate going vegan or anything like that. But if you're at least mindful of what you're eating, if you're at least watching the macros, it's probably better than the standard American diet. Now it's far inferior yeah. to everything else that has meat in it. But if you're yeah. at least paying attention, that's a step in the right direction. And I have, uh, I have some friends or one friend in particular who, uh, He's, uh, he, he can't have uh, gluten. He's got celiac disease mm-hmm. and it, it's so hard for him because he really loved food and, uh, he's doing all these things and he's always, always kind of trying to find these things that are approximations of other foods. And, you know, for a long time, I was like, I could never do that. I, I, I thought, you know, going without gluten was kind of funny. Cause that was back when in my, I was in my max pasta phase, but oh, now yeah. looking back on it, like I thought that was so ridiculous. People would cut out things with gluten. And now I've cut out like pretty much everything, everything. Yeah. And I go back to people who are, who are like on gluten-free diets. It's like, like you're part of the way there. Like, you know, these refined carbohydrates, so, you know, the stuff with weed in it, it's causing problems for you. It's yeah. causing problems for everybody and they just don't realize it, but just, just give this a try. Just instead of, instead of trying to find these things, that's the same product, but minus gluten, just eat meat, just give it right. a month, give it a try for 30 days for 60 days and see what happens. Uh, but especially if you're way overrated already, I don't see any way you don't lose weight, just eating meat or just eating meat and eggs uh, yeah. for a month or two. Yeah, I think that the problem, you know, even with, and we see this with the keto products too. So you've got the gluten-free stuff, like that was super trendy for a while. Then everyone started making paleo treats and now everyone's making keto treats. Yes. But a lot of those things have really nasty vegetable oils. Mm -hmm. They have, I mean, they just, they have refined seed oils and things like that in them that are super harmful. And I think it's just like, just eat real food, you know, Mm -hmm. stop trying to have, um, the gluten-free or the keto brownies, just, I mean, just eat some real food. You know, it's like, if you have a health problem, then why would you not try to, to, to do the best that you can? It takes me forever to grocery shop now. Cause I finally gotten to the point where I say, like, I have to read the ingredients and everything. Oh, and, yeah. for, and it was, it was in stages at first I would just look and be like, oh, there's no carbs. This is good. And then I would look as no carbs, but somehow it has like cornstarch in it. Right. And, and it has like and all wheat this brand yeah. and yeah. 
it oh, has yeah. everything that's just as bad. So it's like, mm-hmm. one, you probably can't believe the macros and two, it's the ingredients themselves that are causing problems. And you would, and it's crazy how many places like they just throw sugar that it doesn't need to be like bacon. There's no reason for sugar right. to be in bacon. And- Thank you so much for listening and being a supporter of this podcast. I have really, really enjoyed connecting with all of you guys. I know that I say that on every single podcast episode, but I really do mean it. And, you know, it's just been so cool to get feedback from you guys, get messages from you guys. So I wanted to pause in this conversation that I'm having with James to ask you guys if you would please make sure that you are subscribed. Leave me a five-star review over on Apple. Please share this podcast, take a screenshot, tag me, or just shoot me a message if you're enjoying it because it really does continue to help motivate me to keep seeking out guests. And speaking of guests, if there is somebody that you would like to hear from, Uh, let me know. I've had a few cool requests and reached out to people that were not even on my radar um, that are going to be coming up on the podcast really soon. And maybe guess the people that you haven't heard from on other podcasts that are kind of in this genre of podcasts. So again, thank you for your support. Don't be afraid to reach out to me on Instagram, send me a message, and I will talk with you guys again soon. I was looking around, like, how can I get sugar-free bacon? I was looking up to how like recipes myself, which by the way, if you try to make your own bacon, it's actually more expensive than buying it in the store. It's crazy. Oh yeah, it is. <laughs> yeah. And, and I finally found of all places, like the Walmart brand, great value, low sodium bacon. Um, now mind you, I think sodium's awesome. I love salt, but anyway, right. their low sodium form is made without sugar. It was just okay. the most random discovery. And I only found that out because I read the back of 15 different kinds of oh, bacon geez. just walking through the store. And my current, uh, the bait of my existence right now is lunch meat. I'm trying to, cause my kids oh, love yeah. lunch meat. It's nice and simple during the summers when they're home and, uh, everything with lunch meat has sugar in it. And I finally oh, yeah. found one, uh, w- w- uh, some sliced ham. I think it has dextrose in it, but it's a minimal amount, but yeah, I just, if, if there was somebody out there making lunch meat with no sugar and no sugar substitute that all also spikes your blood sugar level. That would be a gold mine. Just somebody do it, please. Yeah. You got to get in on like the, the carnivore snacks and the, uh, like the, <laughs> the meat snacks. Have you mm-hmm. seen those? Have you tried those? I have not tried them. I've oh seen them. Though. They, they look amazing. I just had some ribeye, some of the carnivore snacks ribeye mm-hmm. before. Cause I was like, I had something to do before this and I've got something to do after this. And I'm like, I really want like something that's meaty and good and tasty, but I have to hide my carnivore snacks here in the office because if they go out in the rest of the Mm -hmm. house, they're gone. Like my (laughs) husband and my daughter will literally in there, they'll just kill them. But I feel like that could be a great alternative to the lunch meats because it's just meat and salt. Um, They're so tasty. And that's something I run into too. So again, the, the all or nothing mentality. So I try to cook my kids a healthy breakfast, but then they go to school and the school gives them oh, a breakfast yeah. as well, which I thought was awesome at first. I was like, yes, free breakfast. This is great. But then like, okay, so I, I go out of my way. I'm like, here's scrambled eggs and bacon, just fat and protein. This is going to set you up for the day. Then they go to school and their supposedly like healthy breakfast is powdered donuts, like oh, literally Lord, sugar powdered no, donuts. No. And it's like, oh, what am I supposed to do about that? Or like for lunch, like right now, they, again, the, the, the FDA has had a big grant. So everybody gets free hot lunches around here, uh, which was super convenient because making lunches at first was, you know, it, it's a headache for four kids every mm-hmm. single morning. Oh, yeah. But now it's like, okay, I'm giving you a healthy breakfast. I'm giving you a healthy dinner, but then you go there and you eat, you know, just, just pure carbs and sugar and all this stuff, which again, is a, they're eating two healthy meals a day. So they're doing better than they were before, but it's uh, it comes back to the all or nothing thing. It's a step in the right direction. Uh, but I don't actually, and that's something I've been trying to figure out is if I did make them cold lunch, is like, I'm not entirely sure what I would even make them since lunch meat is, uh, is, is so sugary. Yeah. So I could, well, I could, I could cook you up some bacon in the morning. You could chew on, you know, cold bacon, which I, by the way, think is delicious. My wife thinks is disgusting. So I don't, <laughs> I, I don't know if I can cook them a lunch in a way that's going to make them not get strange looks from their, uh, from their classmates and oh, uh, possibly concerned calls from their teachers. So that's a, oh, wow. that's a work in progress. Yeah, that is tough, you know, and I'm lucky with my daughter, she goes to kind of a different alternative school setting and I send in like a glass dish of it's usually just leftovers from last oh. night's dinner. I mean, today for lunch, she has uh, baked chicken thighs because she won't really eat breast, she, but she loves the thighs and collard greens oh, okay. and um, some seaweed snacks and celery and her little sparkling water and um, I did put a little keto cup in there, the, the chocolate keto cup with mm-hmm. it filled with the coconut butter, but 
Yeah. She, and she'll, she'll love it. She loves collard greens. Like I've just kind of forced a bunch of stuff on her and we play, it was during pandemic. I feel like the pandemic for a lot of us, it just sucked. It was awful, but that was the one thing with my daughter. I kind of played the like, well, if you don't eat it, then we're not eating this meal. (laughs) And she sat through a lot of time. It was just sat there at the bar, kind of looking at me like, okay, when are you going to break? And I didn't. And eventually like the meal would sit there for like a few hours and come four o'clock, she's starving and she would just clear the plate, you know? So Mm -hmm. that was actually a good thing about the pandemic is I kind of just was able to do that. And some people would say that that's pretty uh, torturous to do to Mm -hmm. your kids, but yeah, now she loves those foods. And that is, and again, so I'm in the parenting sphere mostly. I'm kind of stepping yeah. out of my comfort zone here for the for the carnivore podcast. But yeah, that's something that's very controversial: is making your yeah. kids sit down and finish your food. Uh, but I'm very much in that camp. And uh, when I make something new on carnivore uh, or some new keto recipe for them, trying to get it and they don't they don't eat it, it's like, oh, come on, guys. <laughs> yeah. But at the same time, I remember sometimes I would make their favorite foods. I'd make them chicken nuggets and French fries, and there'd be days who my kids who didn't live, yeah, they just don't. It's out of nowhere. All of a yep. sudden they beg me for them and then they just don't touch their food. It's like, okay, yeah. I guess this happens in everything. Uh, the one big change I think I'm going to meet make over time is probably I'm going to do away with sides. So my wife yeah. grew up in a household where there was always a side. You always had to have two things. My house wasn't that way. We just, you just had one thing and it was fine. I think nutritionally, it doesn't really make a difference. And also back then I could live on brownies. So, you know, who cares? Yeah. <laughs> but now it's like, okay, so last night I made the kids, uh, I made them meatballs and they love the meatballs. They gobbled them down, cooked them in the air fryer with some olive oil on them. They were delicious. And then for a side, I made uh, cauliflower mac and cheese or some imitation oh, yeah. of it. And it actually turned out right. And they just refused to touch it. They wouldn't do that. And it, <laughs> it, they were so miserable trying to finish it. And I, I got at the end of the meal after I cleared it out, I was like, why, why is this my hill to die on? They ate the nutritionally the meaningful part. Yeah. They ate the meat. Why am I even messing around with these sides that they don't like anyway? And I think it's mostly uh, to appease my wife and that background of you're always supposed to have two things. So maybe Maybe long-term, my big victory will be if I can talk us off of, you have to have two things and maybe I just make us some delicious meat and that's enough. Yeah. I mean, it's a, it's a progression because I've been doing this around almost three years now. And now I can cook like a ton of chicken wings for dinner and that's it. I mean, and that's all they want. I mean, I even asked my husband, I'm like, do you want a potato? Do you want me to make this? And he's like, no, I don't even want that. Like, but I would always make the sides and stuff for them, just kind of assuming that they wanted it and that I yeah. had to. And now I just, they, they, they're not going to eat it. I'm like, let's just have a bunch of chicken wings for dinner. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. <laughs> <laughs> that is, that is so uh, reassuring to hear. Cause that's, that's definitely what I'm noticing as well. And like some of their favorite meals so far, the most successful one I've had is just, I just cut up chicken breasts and I call them chicken nuggets. You just, you know, olive oil, salt, pepper, uh, garlic powder and onion powder, and you pop them in the air fryer oh, and nice. it comes out with a bit of a, a bark on it and they'll eat those things all day. And then oh, I yeah. go and I mess it up and I try to put something on the side that's actually less healthy than the chicken. It's like, yep. yeah, okay. I guess we're just gonna we're just gonna start doing piles of chicken, guys. It's okay. Yeah, I mean that's what I have these big glass dishes, and I will do a ton of chicken thighs or with the breasts. The only way I can get my daughter to eat them is to I coat them in um because she has an egg allergy. I'll coat them in oh. like olive oil or avocado oil, okay. and then use like the pork panko um breadcrumbs. Yeah, and that's like fried chicken to her, and it's she'll eat that. But yeah. Yeah. There's, there's so much flavor out there. People say, don't you get bored just eating all meat? It's like, why would I, why would I get bored eating the best food there is? Like if this were, if this were a diet that completely excluded meat, I don't think I would have ever had a chance. No, no. And I I will say I'm not, I mean, I'm not perfect on this either. So I do still like, sometimes I'll get stuff with artificial sweeteners for desserts. I I eat the snow cones with the kids because they're amazing, but also, um, I, I couldn't have done this if I, if I couldn't drink. So I gave up beer. Beer just caused me problems anyway. It caused weight gain. It caused digestive problems. That was easy. Did not give up whiskey or the hard stuff. I think over time, (laughs) I think I'm going to switch to vodka. It's supposed to have fewer, uh, you know, fewer contaminants and it's just basically just, you know, pure alcohol running through your system. Uh, but yeah, that was just socially and things like that. I I didn't want to get rid of that. So yes, I know that there is no, uh, you know, no alcohol cow that's definitely plant based, (laughs) but if I'm, if I'm going to cheat, I, I cheat in the direction to keto. I try to cheat on things with zero carbs and, and keep it that way. Cause I just really, I just don't want to spike my blood sugar. That's my overall goal. 
Yeah, I think that's good. And, you know, you just kind of get to where you get to with the mm -hmm. alcohol. Do you feel like it affects you more now that you're low carb carnivore than it did before when you had the carbs mixed in there? So I think it affects me not more now just because I'm lighter weight. So there's yeah. less of me. So there's that. But I also, I, over time, I am trying to drink less. And that's just, I think, part of getting older. You just don't yeah. recover like, at all. No. I mean, when you're 21, you can almost, you know, you can drink yourself to the brink of death. And the next morning you feel fine. And now it's like you have two drinks and it's kind of rough the next morning. Uh, but also, I just kind of, you know, when I went carnivore, I kind of tried to overhaul my entire life. And I, I want to get to the point where I can be social and have fun without alcohol. That's my ultimate yeah. goal. So now when I do drink every time I drink, I just, I try to drink less. Cause like, I don't, I don't need this to, to be outgoing. I don't need this as a social crutch. So I am, I am trying to move in that direction. Am I all the way there? Absolutely not. Alcohol still feels pretty great, but long-term. Yeah. I think it'd be awesome to stop drinking too. Yeah. And I guess speaking of social pressures, do your friends know that how you eat and do they, what do they say about it? Uh, they all think I'm going to die, especially my parents. <laughs> we have a, we have a, uh, a, like somebody with a master's degree in nutrition in the family. And it's a, mm. a master's degree in like the standard American diet. So she's convinced my mm. kidneys are going to shut down and all of God. that. But like the last time we were back there. So uh, we're in the kitchen and everybody's been eating candy. So my parents' house was always the bane of my existence. When I go back there, they're in full grandma mode and grandpa mode now. So there's just infinite candy around every mm. corner. And I could go back there and gain like six pounds in a weekend. And people are always like, you can't gain six pounds in a weekend. It's water. Oh. It's like, Oh, those pounds didn't go <laughs> away. They would stay. Uh, but you know, I'd go there and it's like, okay, you guys weren't worried about me when I was 204 pounds and had a double chin and all of this. And now you are worried about me when I'm the only person in the room with a six pack, I'm in the yeah. best shape of my life. And now is when you're concerned. Like, I, I think your, your concern is misplaced. Yeah, that's a tough thing. And I hear this so much. It's like, you know, honestly, I'm kind of the only one in my family that's not obese, overweight. No. And, you know, I take crap for it because they're like, oh, well, don't even bother um, offering that to Sarah. You know, it's <laughs> like they kind of make a joke out of it or they get offended. And I'm like, I don't want you guys to be offended over this. I feel like I enjoy just being with you guys, mm -hmm. if I'm not feeling like crap and then kind of what you were saying earlier about like the candy, like if I have a little bit, then I want a lot. And it's yeah. kind of like it, my brain kind of goes off into a different zone. So if I'm like having dessert at a function, sometimes it's like, I have a little dessert and then I'm like the whole rest of the night, I'm like, I think I want to have some more dessert. And it's like, I've stopped interacting so much mm -hmm. with the people that are there and, and just become obsessed with the desserts, you know? Yeah. And I think, I think there's some projection going on there too. And I think it's oh, yeah. a little bit like, especially like it's similar to with alcohol. It's like if I, especially in the past, like if I'm drinking and I want to, I want to have a lot, I want you to have a lot too. Yes. If you're not drinking, it's like, that makes me feel self-conscious. It makes me feel bad. It's like, why am I making this choice if you're not? So if, if somebody's there eating a dessert and you're not having it, they, they you know, it's like, well, why aren't you having this? You should right. you know, validate my choices. And it's really, it's just not that hard to, to be social and still eat meat. Now I will say, I don't like going to restaurants as much now. And I think you've posted about this recently. A lot of people on Instagram have, but just, you know, like, okay, I'm going to go to this restaurant. I'm going to get meat, but I can cook meat at home. I can cook a it's steak It's so better. much less expensive yes. and I can cook it better. I, and, I can yeah. cook, and I can cook more. So like, yeah. I, so when I wanted for a while, my, my oldest finally got old enough that she could babysit. It's like, all right, we're going to go out and do this. Uh, we're going to go on date nights now, just the two of us just short distance away. But when we go out there, we go to some steakhouse and you pay so much money for like oh, yeah. an eight ounce steak. It's like, so I would literally eat dinner, eat my pile of meat at home and then go there for like the meat dessert. And it's like, okay, this is kind of pointless. So I, yeah. I do see that, but actually what I'm more inclined to do now is I'll go and uh, just, okay, everybody wants to go out to a restaurant. Yeah. Let's go out. You guys can all eat. I'll order a diet Coke or I'll order some water or just hang out and be social. Cause that's yes. what we're ultimately there for anyway. And then I can go home later and just eat as much as I want and, you know, yeah. not pay an arm and a leg for it. I agree. And it's funny now, my husband, even he's like, oh, we could go to the steakhouse, but I would just like to have the steak that you cook better. I mean, we get <laughs> all these amazing meat boxes and uh, Carter country meats, the latest one that I've been trying out Their meat is, oh my gosh, is so delicious. And I've got the mm -hmm. auto wild and it's like the, a nice big steak cooked on the auto wild is so much less expensive. And I feel like it tastes better a lot of times than what you can get out at a steakhouse, you know? 
And that's the thing the the appeal of restaurants is you don't have to do dishes and right. you know, you get something that you can't cook at home, but if you can cook it at home and you do better <laughs> right. lose that appeal and then you lose the dishes appeal, if you just make your kids do the dishes anyway, so then you get, you know, it's all right. This doesn't help me in any way. I'll just eat at home. Yeah. Mm. It's, you know, my husband and I, we don't do a lot of, first of all, we're like old and if it's like seven 30 at night, we'd rather just be in bed Like mm-hmm. <laughs> at this point. <laughs> I think that happens when you hit like late thirties, you're just like, I don't really want to be out of the house, like past dark, you know, yes. I just am not in the mood. So what we end up doing for a lot of dates is like, we will just go out in the middle of the day. Maybe we go to a coffee shop mm. or maybe we go to an outdoor place where we can go walk and get fresh air and just okay. like, we've started doing a lot more of that than going out to restaurants. Because like I said, I can cook a better meal here that is less expensive most of the time. Mm -hmm. And then it's about just being together. It's about having that social connection. Yes, I agree completely. And I've, and and travel is one that tripped me up for a while. Mm. And so for my my solution for a while, I I cook my, my burgers in an electric skillet. And I, it it sounds like, oh, there must be so many better ways. I I don't like cooking burgers on the grill because it's so uncontrollable. It seems like every every third or fourth time I cook burgers, there's a massive flare up when I look away and then I'm I'm eating three pounds of charcoal bricks and I just hate it. The electric skillet, it cooks it the same every time. So the last time I went up to a friend's lake, house. I just, uh, I took the meat with me and I, and that worked fine, but I recently discovered I was doing some research and of all places, McDonald's, I guess when, if you order McDonald's patties, their quarter pound patties, they're pretty much just the patties. They just put salt and pepper and they don't add anything else to it. And it's like, okay, so this is way more expensive than if I cooked it myself, but I don't have yep. to take an electric skillet. I don't have to take frozen meat. So that's my thing. Now, when I travel, I just go to McDonald's, I place the weirdest order they've ever had. I just <laughs> order a whole giant pile of quarter pound patties with no cheese and I get a bunch of mustard and it's delicious. Wow. That's awesome. Yeah. And like we travel with our, we're going to the beach tomorrow. We're bringing the air fryer because that's smart. (laughs) It's kind of of weird. It's a little bit weird that we're bringing our air fryer on vacation, but we know that it's going to cook the meat consistently the way that Mm -hmm. we like it. And we'll save a lot of money down at the beach, just not going out to restaurants or getting takeout. We'll just go get there, get in the Airbnb, bring the air fryer, go to Mm -hmm. Publix, get the meat that we want. And we're good. We don't need to spend a ton of extra money. And we know it's going to cook it the way that we like. Yeah. I am new to the air fryer game. I feel like there's a whole world I've been missing out. And I just got mine like three weeks ago. And so I'm still (laughs) experimenting, trying to figure out what, what is and what isn't the right way to do it. And uh, I I, I'm further bogged down because my, my I'm in a family of heathens. They will not eat meat if it's in any way pink. So I've got to cook it like all the way devoid of flavor. And so that's a fine line to get it there. So you get to the point where you've, you've cooked out the flavor, it's all Brown, but then you don't quite sear it into a rock. And so that's, that's what I'm trying to trying to master with the air fryer. I feel like it's possible. I just have to get better with it. Yeah. It takes a little bit of practice. That was like the first thing I bought when I went carnivore was an air fryer because they're so like you said, it's, there's a lot of carnivores on Instagram and that's kind of how I learned everything was on Instagram. <laughs> like, oh, they're using an air fryer to cook their steak. You can do that from frozen. Cool. Let me just try it out. So I would just look at what other people were doing and tried it out. And it was easier for me to cook it in the air fryer than it was to get it right on the cast iron. Um, I still have like a smoke stain on my ceiling in the kitchen from trying to learn how to properly use the cast iron. Like it was, that was a pretty ugly uh, moment there. Yeah. I, uh, I never had good luck with a cast iron skillet. And I, again, I read the optimal way to cook steak is in a cast iron skillet. Mm-hmm. And I would do that in my whole house would fill with smoke, just yep. the entire house. We don't even have a, a, a flame hood or a fume hood above our stoves. Yeah. Just the whole, I had to open all the windows, the doors, the and the windows, doors. everything gets oh. up. Yep. And, it's <laughs> and, just, the fans. and, and then fire I ta- department shows up <laughs> <laughs> that happened once. <laughs> and then I, t- I tasted it and it didn't really taste that different to me. I'm just, I think my palate is just too unsophisticated. So now my best way, <laughs> is I just use that same electric skillet and I just super sear it as hot as I can on both sides. Now I know it's not as, as advanced as your, you've got the specialty grill for that, but I, I think the skillet works well enough. And I actually got it well enough that my, my wife the other day, who's super picky about stuff said, yeah, I don't want to order steak at a restaurant because yours are better. It's like, yes, this is my victory. Gr- yeah, it <laughs> is. This cheap That's Walmart huge. electric skillet. That's all it takes. <laughs> Hey, I mean, it's all about simplicity. And I think that's what most people love about this lifestyle is just like, you got the food, you know, you like you, you only eat once a day, like, you mm-hmm. know what you like, it's easy. 
and you can live your life. I mean, you have four children and your whole career, you've, you've written how many books now? You have uh, this, a few books. Yeah. This one coming out is number five here. Wow. Okay. So five books, four kids, a wife, all the stuff that you have in your life. Like how much simpler does this way of eating just make it for you? Uh, way simpler. So if they're all home, then I've got to cook three times a day still. So it doesn't oh, save me as much time. But, <laughs> but when they're away, when they're at school and work, yeah, you don't realize how much time you lose cooking for those other two times of day. Mm-hmm. Uh, it just, cause you, yeah, you got to get everything out. You got to set it aside. And we always watch TV when we eat because we're bad people. So then, you know, and then, <laughs> then that extends the meal time as well, but you don't have to listen to your kids chewing. And if you have a bunch of little kids, that sound drives me crazy. So, <laughs> so, so yeah, it just, it, it's, and then it, all the dishes you have to wash afterwards, it's, a huge, it's a huge time sink. And I run into the same thing I run into with candy. So I, I didn't always uh, do one meal a day, but I had actually adjusted to one meal a day back when I was on the standard American diet, because I I finally realized it's like doing a a little bit of food just doesn't do anything for me in any context. It's like, okay, you're going through the day, your hunger is at a seven and you eat this light meal. And now it's at a five, but you're still hungry. Like what good did that do me? Or, you know, and, and it's like, why don't I just leave my hunger high and eat all at once? when I know I'll be fully satisfied. And that, yeah. that to me just makes so much more sense because when I start eating, I just want to eat until I'm full. And if you can't, I can't eat until I'm full three meals a day and be less than 600 pounds. Cause again, I've got that <laughs> all you can eat feast, uh, ba- uh, mentality. Uh, so yeah. So for me, once a day works great. And if I, you know, if I eat beef, I, I really don't get that hungry through the rest of the day. Or if I do get hungry, it's like, it's not a big deal. I'm not starving. I know there's a feast with more food than I can handle at the end of the day. And that men- mentality makes all the difference for me. Now for my kids, uh, I don't, push one meal a day. Obviously I feed yeah. three, three times a day, but I do try to cut out snacking now. Cause I feel like yep. the snacks, they're always bad. They're always unhealthy. And it just shows they didn't eat enough at the other meals. So I'm just trying to get them to get that fat and protein in there for their three meals a day. And hopefully that'll keep them healthy. Yeah. I think that's the toughest thing for, for most people with their kids is just the snacking. And it is mm-hmm. a matter of like, you just got to eat enough at those other meals and then you're not going to crave those snacks. So yeah, it's, that's a tough part. And it's so cultural too. We've, we've mm-hmm. built it up. It's like, oh my kids gosh. need snacks. It's like, why do they, why, why would, right. it's, not, it's not like they're going to run out of calories through the day. I, I saw right. what they ate and it just, uh, I, I think it, if you need a snack constantly, it shows one that your, your blood sugar is just totally out of whack. And two, you're not yep. treating your meals appropriately. You're definitely eating the wrong foods. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it, in every context, it's like snacking is the most normal thing in the world. And I've seen how detrimental it is on my own life. And it's like, oh yeah, it's just, it finally, it just, it took me a, a d- depressingly long time to realize, hey, maybe these things that have made me so much healthier, maybe I should start applying them to the people I love the most. Maybe I shouldn't yeah. abandon them. I know it's tough. It's tough because you, it's like we've been ingrained so much in our society that, like, when we love someone, we'll give them these treats and snacks mm-hmm. and cakes. And, like, it's a, you know, candy is fun. And we've associated so much emotion around the food that I feel like it is difficult to, um, change that conversation and say, well, I do love you. So tonight I'm going to cook you some salmon Mm -hmm. instead of, you know, what the, the junky stuff that you want, the pasta or the processed carbs, you know? Yeah. And I've tried, I'm trying to make the transition without completely eliminating things. So I haven't banned candy in my house, but I've, yeah. I've set up incentive systems where it's heavily discouraged. So it's like at night. So, okay, you finished your dinner, you ate all the beef, you're, you're good there. It's like, okay, you can have three small pieces of candy <laughs> or unlimited free or unlimited sugar-free jello or unlimited sugar-free snow cones or unlimited healthy ice cream, which they, they always hate because I can't do it right. So, <laughs> so I try, I try to set up the system. It's like, okay, if you just want something sweet and you want to get a lot of it, go for one of these other things. Uh, but at the same time, the candy's not banned or like they've got birthday parties coming up. We've got three kids with birthdays within two weeks. So we do one birthday party and you know, that day they're, they're going to eat all the sugar. They're going to each have their special cake and that's fine. You know, I'm not, I'm not draconian about this. We're not, we're not completely banning it, but I I think we need to treat sugar more like it's a special occasion kind of thing rather than everyday thing. Yes, exactly. Yeah, Definitely. Definitely. Well, very cool. Um, let's talk a little bit about your book and just kind of like what you do for everyone who's like, oh, they're having a great conversation about carnivore, but <laughs> let's talk a little bit about like what you actually do in just your your whole career. 
So I am a, uh, I'm a comedy writer and I focus mainly on writing about my kids. Uh, I'm best known from Twitter at Exploding Unicorn, where I've got more than a million followers on there. And from there, I branched out to Facebook and Instagram and everywhere else. Uh, and I've got books as well. And I've, uh, I wrote three uh, comedy parenting guides. The first one was a parent's guide to surviving the zombie apocalypse. <laughs> then I wrote bare minimum parenting, the ultimate guide to not quite ruining your child. And then I wrote another survival guide about, you know, surviving time travel and all these other misadventures with your kids. And uh, my fourth one was I, I wrote a guided journal for kids to kind of help them come up with jokes of their own, and have their own fun adventures. And now this latest one is, is something a little different for me. So, so far, everything I've written has been about kids or for kids. And this is the first one that's more just about me. And this one's called How to Be a Man, Whatever That Means, uh, Lessons in Modern Masculinity from a Questionable Source. And there is uh, there is no source more questionable than me on that. And so it kind of it kind of <laughs> goes through my background and just, you know, the, the funniest stories from my life, not necessarily about my kids, but just kind of the stuff I've amassed over the years. And then what lessons did I take away from it about what it means to be a man today? And I actually wrote most of this book uh, before I started exercising and before I really went carnivore. I think I was keto at the time. Uh, but you can kind of see in there, I'm, I'm from a, a farming background okay. um, you know, and I, we've got pet pigs. Now I was born on a pig farm and uh, my dad hurt his back pig farming, which kind of set in motion all of the uh, events in our life and all, all the moving and everything that happened after that. Uh, so I definitely am a fan of agriculture. Uh, you know, I, people who say that, you know, cows are destroying the earth and all of oh, that. I, I could have yeah. told you that was a, that was a lie even before the science came out proving yeah. it was a lie. Yeah. The one, the one uh, <laughs> the funniest question I get is like, okay, so uh, you have pet pigs. Do you eat bacon or do you eat pork? And the answer is absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I thought I would, I thought I would feel guilty and I don't feel bad about it at all. And uh, I think part of it is pigs are omnivores. They also eat meat. And I'm confident, like if I died and nobody was around, they would eat me. So all's fair in love and war. <laughs> they would, right? And That's the one thing I didn't realize about pigs is they, yeah. they could, yeah. They will absolutely eat, they you. Will eat know, you. Now my yeah. pigs are small, so it would take a long time, but they would. But the thing is they eat pork too. Like we've dropped pepperoni or things before and they just snatch it up and there, there is no guilt there whatsoever. <laughs> wow. <laughs> wow. That's crazy. Yeah. People don't understand the pigs will just eat whatever. Like, yeah. They really, it, they're, they're kind of the perfect animal for, for eating. Like I get why humans domesticated them. So first of all, they can, they can live on literal garbage. You just turn them loose and they'll just eat whatever. Now I do not feed my pigs garbage. Please don't send me the hate mail. <laughs> I send them a species appropriate diet, but they, uh, yeah, they, I mean, for a lot of human history, they just kind of hung out around the edges, not even in pens, just eating garbage. And then they have tons and tons of babies and they grow really fast and they're delicious. It's like, <laughs> holy cow, this is, this is the perfect animal to domesticate and, and eat. It makes all the sense. Now I actually don't eat that much pork. I'm, I'm convinced that beef is, is better yeah. and because uh, of the, the ruminant thing, the four stomach. So I don't, uh, I don't do grass fed beef. Typically. I think if I were a perfect person, I've, I've watched sacred cow. I know that, you know, it's better for the earth and all of that, but at the same time, grain fed beef is just so cheap and I'm a cheap person and I always <laughs> buy it on sale. Uh, so I, I can stock up really easily, but you know, when they, when the ruminants eat that grain fed stuff, they kind of process out all the bad stuff. So it's not like I'm eating grain, it's been filtered, but with, with pigs, my understanding is, and the people who actually follow all the science stuff can tell me I'm completely wrong here, but my understanding is more of it makes it through with pork. Mm -hmm. So I try, I try to stick to beef and ruminants if I can, Yeah. Uh, but you know, I definitely feed my kids pork and if pork's there, I'll eat it. Yeah, I agree. I mean, we, we love our bacon. We get a lot of bacon from uh, white oak pastures, but that is ex like you said, it's more expensive to kind of make your own and get like the real stuff than it is yeah. to just go to the store and get the cheap stuff. So it's a treat for us. It's really delicious, but yeah, I just feel a lot more satisfied on beef than I do pork, to be honest too. Yeah. I just, and if you, people always say that carnivore is, is expensive, but like, if no. you, if you're smart about how you buy ground beef, so I have a, a deep freezer downstairs mm -hmm. with over 400 pounds of beef and three pound rolls. And I bought most of that for just over $2 a pound. The other day it was one ninety nine a pound. Like if you wait for a sale, you can absolutely grab it for a steal. And then if you want to go with eggs, which are great, super oh, healthy yeah. for you. I mean, in like right now, they think at Kroger, they're a dollar 89 for an 18 pack. Like there's nothing cheaper. And 
even like bacon, I always thought bacon was super expensive, but I'm again, I've the one bacon I found without sugar in it was Walmart, <laughs> Walmart. low sodium bacon. Yep. And you can get a pound of it for like three twenty seven. and a pound. Like my kids are small and they're girls and uh, they just don't eat a lot. And that pound of bacon lasts a while and those eggs yep. last a while. So it is actually super cheap to feed them healthy. Yeah. I think for, you know, I'd finally just got a chest freezer not too long ago. I'm like, how the heck did I survive without this thing? <laughs> that's, I feel like that's like an initiation thing for doing carnivore mm-hmm. or doing a meat-based diet is like, you can save so much money by yes. having a chest freezer and buying stuff when it's on sale and just buying in bulk. And yeah, I mean, it makes life so much easier for sure. Now, do you do the half a cow thing normally, or do you just buy at the grocery store? Both. I do both right now. I'm like in between. I haven't, I don't have a cow in my freezer right now. We're kind of all out. (laughs) I need to get on that pretty soon. But I mean, we do, I do grocery store. I get farm delivery too. So I love getting, um, like duck eggs and we get butter from the farm and Mm. raw cream. And I love my farm delivery. So we, you know, I kind of dabble in all things. I've heard that farm eggs are super different than like oh, the factory yeah. farm eggs. And I've, I've seen pictures about how much darker they are. I, I have not crossed that bridge though. I'm just, my kids are definitely eating factory farm eggs, but they like them just as well. I've, uh, so my big, one of my easiest wins was I switched them from, uh, just regular syrup, which has like 25 grams of carbs per, oh, yeah. uh, yeah, per, per serving to like a sugar-free one that had one carb. And then I started making, instead of regular waffles, I started making chaffles. It's just one egg yep. and a quarter cup of mozzarella and my kids eat those like they're going oh, yeah. out of style. They just devour them down. It's like, holy cow, I, I eliminated so much processed, you know, sugar from your diet and you didn't even notice, or yep. I swapped, I swapped out uh ketchup for, uh, for low sugar ketchup, just no sugar addicts. Tomatoes have some in there. And it went from like eight grams of serving to one. And again, they didn't notice, like we just, we assume that sugar is necessary in right. so many contexts when it's just not. Yeah, I agree. I mean, there's so many things you can do like with, uh, even just like with a little bit of coconut flour and an Mm -hmm. egg to make like muffins and little baking powder in there, eggs. And I mean, it's just so easy and they're not going to miss it. You can put a little sweetener in there and it's, I feel like just as good as like a regular waffle that you get from the store. And it really, it, it really does make you question how these things are being made and why they're oh, yeah. being made that way. It's a, it's oh, yeah. such, a, it's such a waste. And I, I think that's probably the biggest benefit of going carnivore is you're just so much more mindful of what mm-hmm. you're putting in your body and why you're doing that. It's like, am I doing this because it tastes good? Or am I doing this? Like for, for me, I'm making sides for my kids. They're less healthy than the main course, but I'm doing it because I think society says you have to have two things. Yeah, (laughs) It's like, why am I doing this? And so, and I I think that's something interesting about the carnivore community is there's just kind of this default assumption of you need to question the assumptions and ask why we're doing that. And so I think that's one of the reasons why so many of them embrace far out ideas as well. Now there's, there's, there's never going to be complete consensus among, you know, anybody on anything, but I will know, you know, carnivore, it's like, we agree on eating beef. It's like, yeah, we're all there right together. And then they, they keep going. And like, there's like uh, degrees of this where they get down there, they're questioning some things. I'm like, I don't know if we should be questioning that one. Yeah, I know you can get pretty far (laughs) down to some different conspiracy theories and things when you, yeah, it's 2020, 2021 has been interesting. Mm-hmm. Interesting interwebs have been interesting. Like try to stay out of a lot of the controversy mm-hmm. and just stick to like, yeah. Uh, but yeah. And I, I think it just comes with the territory because mm-hmm. there's, we're, we're, con- we're combating such a big lie up front yeah. about how these, you know, sugar is good for you. And you look at like, you know, and who's you pay- need it. Yes. And who's paying for these food studies. It's like, if, uh, if the oil industry is paying for studies on global warming, people are like, I'm not going to believe that there's obvious bias, but you right. know, craft or somebody's paying for studies on, you know, you know, blood sugar levels and like, Oh yeah, that's totally reasonable. The food industry can totally be paying for right. these food studies. It's like, it's the same same conflict of interest. And then when you come in from that assumption of, well, let's question everything then all of a sudden, I think it does open the door of, well, when do you stop questioning? When do you, when do you go back to the orthodoxy? Yeah. Uh, One big one for me is sunlight. So I've kind of come around to the theory that 
uh, sun is good for you. I mean, at least if you do it responsibly, if yep. you slowly build up a base tan, but if you are a parent in 2021, you are taught that, you know, the sun is poison for your kids that you exactly. need to constantly cover them in sunscreen yep. and do all of this. And it's like, and you know, my wife's kind of in that camp as well. Mm, my husband and, is too. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm more of, you know, what, maybe we just need to get them out in small doses earlier yep. in the spring when the sun is weaker and build up. I made it all last year without any sunscreen. Me too. It's the first I, time in my whole life I didn't use any sunscreen the whole summer. And I didn't burn at all. Or did Me you either. The same? And yeah. it was crazy. And I just and did I used it, to like, burn like crazy as a yes, child. I mean, I, like horrible burns and it, no burns last year at all. Exactly the same thing. So now I've branched out from carnivore to being the weird sun guy. So yeah, yeah. where does it stop? <laughs> I know. I've been on so many weird tangents and rabbit holes and like <laughs> I, I do all this testing and it's kind of fun to, to see how your body responds to different things. And people are like, that's not necessary. You don't need to do all that, but it's like, it's kind of fun. Like, yeah, you could, you could just eat meat and keep it really simple and do that. And that's mm -hmm. enough for most people. But you know, sometimes it's kind of fun to see, like, am I not going to get a sunburn if I go out in the sun because mm -hmm. I've been eating this different diet and yeah. And, and things like that are like, how is my sleep like on my aura ring or getting a continuous mm -hmm. glucose monitor and actually seeing how steady and stable your blood sugar stays. It's like, it's all really interesting stuff. The people with the blue, the, the glucose monitors fascinate me. I always, yeah. anytime somebody posts a story with that, I always click on it. Cause it's just fascinating to see what spikes your blood sugar and what doesn't. Yeah. It's uh, especially like things like, well, fruit's good for you. It's like, oh, Lord. It, it turns out you, I mean, I'm not going to ban my kids from eating fruit, but we need to treat it like a dessert. It's like a yeah. treat that we eat in moderation. We can't just give them piles of it. And we definitely don't need to force it on them. No. Uh, I had this conversation the other day with my wife. It's like bananas. I mean, bananas yes. are basically candy. They are terrible for you. Yeah. Just terrible. I was going to mention that, you know, one of my friends just did a continuous glucose experiment and she, speaking of ice cream, she made like frozen banana ice cream because she mm -hmm. just loves ice cream and was like, let me try this out. And um, she's gotten her blood sugar really in a great place and she's not mm -hmm. even full carnivore anymore. She'll eat a little bit of carb. She can handle it, but the banana, it took her blood sugar up and it stayed up for like four or five hours. Oh, wow. Just, yeah. Cause usually <laughs> it'll go up and hopefully it's back down, you know, in a reasonable amount of time, but it was like four or five hours that it went up and she eventually just went to bed. She was kind of waiting for it to come down it never went down and it didn't come down until like the next morning. And the next morning it was still kind of high. And it's like from bananas, like this is mm -hmm. not like she went to Baskin Robbins and got an ice cream cone. That was a banana ice cream. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it was like all natural fruit. Yeah. And it's it, things like that, that you would never think of, but if you look at, you know, how human beings, you know, evolved, it's like, would mm -hmm. we have really subsisted entirely in bananas? No, well, probably not. This kind of banana didn't even exist back then. No. Bananas used to be tiny. You know, this is just kind of an artificial monster we've created full of sugar made to be easily shipped. Uh, but then we fall into this trap. It's like, Oh, I'm going to give my kid a healthy snack of a banana. It's like, okay, you can give them, you can give them a banana as a treat, but just realize it's no different than handing them a candy bar or handing them a pop tart. It's, it's pretty much the same thing. Oh yeah, it really is. I mean, the snacks that we have around here, it's just like, it's gotta be something that is not going to, it's going to be satiating. It's got mm -hmm. to be satiating because then they're just going to want, she's going to want more of it. And it's like, you can have some almonds and some celery and we're good. Mm -hmm. Like that's all you need. You don't need to have a bunch of fruit. It's like, it just, it feeds on each other, you know? Yeah. And I think once you get that sweet taste, you just, you just want more of it. And it really, you eat, I've got one kid who uh, we've, we've got to watch her with blueberries and this was, this, oh, was wow. pre, this was pre eating anything healthy, but if you set out a point, uh, my five-year-old, she's a tiny little kid, but if you set out a pint of blueberries, those blueberries will be gone in, in a get matter of pint. minutes, yep. just the whole thing. She can't do a few blueberries. If she's going to eat blueberries, she will eat all of the blueberries. She probably yep. got that gene from me. So we're going to have to watch that growing. That's up. how my daughter is too. Like I have to portion out blueberries and for her breakfast in the morning. Otherwise, like my husband did it the other morning. I think he set out like a, it was over a pint. It was huge mm -hmm. and just put it on the counter with her breakfast, walked away. And I came back in the kitchen and the whole thing was gone. I'm like, uh, <laughs> that, that was not what I had planned on giving her for breakfast this morning, but okay. Yeah. I mean, that's even a low sugar fruit. I think for some people they can just overeat it, you know? 
Yeah. And again, this is, this is a marathon, not a sprint. So I, and yeah. I have to, I have to tell myself that sometimes too, I'll beat myself up. It's like the kids eat healthy. You know, I get them two or three meals in a row. We're on a roll and then I'm not paying attention. We've still got stuff and they just go and they cook themselves a bunch of pizza rolls. And so yeah. it's like, I, I failed as a father. And it's like, you know what, overall, if we just trend towards eating more fat and protein, more whole meat, fewer carbs and sugar, we're going in the right direction. I, you don't have to be perfect. And I think that's what derails so many people is they think yeah. they have to be perfect. They have to get it all at once. And you really don't. And these people who are like, well, I just couldn't stay keto. It's like, you couldn't just eat less sugar and more fat. Like you right. don't have to do the whole thing. Just take the lessons. That's what you I don't get. That. It's like, and, you, yeah. I quit. I'm like, well, you didn't have to just quit. You know, you yeah. <laughs> like go back to standard American diet. Like what? Yeah. you didn't have to do that. You, yeah. It's so confusing to me when people do that. It's like, yeah. Not a good alternative. And again, it sounds weird for somebody or two people on the carnivore diet to, you know, discourage all or nothing thinking because we've grown right. that way. But again, right. it's, it's just, we got here gradually and it just comes down to, you know, we might be all or nothing, but the people in our lives aren't the people in the world never, and we'll never be in an all or nothing world like that. It's always right. going to be, people are going to be in and out and they say, you know, diets don't work and you, you got it. It's it, you get to the point. It's not a diet. It's a lifestyle. Right. It's just, not a diet. If you, you see it as a diet, you're going to fail right away. Cause yes. a diet is something you do temporarily, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So don't, don't do this because you want to lose weight, do it because you no. want to be healthy and do it because you want it to be something you can sustain for the rest of your life. I love it. I love it. That's perfect. Well, cool. Where can people find you if they want to follow some of your work or get your book? What's the best way to do that? Uh, you can find my book at uh, any online retailer or off my website. Again, that book is called How to Be a Man, Whatever That Means, Lessons in Modern Masculinity from a Questionable Source. Uh, you can find all my social media accounts linked through my website, explodingunicorn.com. Uh, I'm best known on Twitter as at Exploding Unicorn. If you just search around the internet for James Breakwell or Exploding Unicorn, uh, I usually pop up uh, much to your detriment. You'll probably be tired of seeing me there. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. And I'll link all that in the show notes too. So people know how to get in touch with you, but Thank this you. has been a really fun conversation. It was really fun to chat with you today. Thank you for being here. Thank you so much for having me on here. I'm going to have to do more of this carnivore stuff. It's nice yeah. talking to somebody else with the same worldview. I don't, I don't run into that in real life. Like ever. <laughs> hey, I can, I got some hookups. I'll hook you up. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> <laughs> all right, cool. Thanks again. <laughs> All right, guys, I really hope that you enjoyed that conversation with James. It really just felt like a couple of friends talking and it's different than a lot of the podcasts that I have been doing. Like I've been so focused on just interviewing doctors and experts and, you know, just really trying to get to the bottom of things. And don't worry, I am still going to be bringing on more people to talk about interesting topics that you guys are interested in. But I just thought this would be a nice little break. So I really do hope that you enjoyed it. As I mentioned earlier, please take a screenshot, tag me, leave me a message, leave me a comment if you really did enjoy the episode. I would love to hear from you. And uh, I will talk with you guys next week. Next week, I'm bringing on Rob Stewart, who has a really great YouTube channel. And he's an expert on skin health, which I know is a huge motivation for people to start going on an animal-based diet. And so we're really going to dive into his journey, how he helps clients. And I know you're going to really enjoy the episode. So make sure that you subscribe and share this episode so more people can hear it. And I will talk with you guys again very, very soon. Again, bonus episode coming out on Friday. <laughs> so I hope you enjoy that one too. I'll talk to you later.